0: Hello, and welcome to the Hapori Podcast, the show for and about doers. I'm Rob Solly, and on today's show, I'm joined by Michael O'Reilly. I knew I had
1: this huge gig coming up, you know. I I booked that job when I was still in college, so I'd never had the out-of-work actor life. I, I went straight from professional training into leading a show on a huge UK
0: tour. Mike can presently be seen as Johnny in Dirty Dancing in London's West End. And what makes Mike even more special is how much he's achieved as he's only 24 years old. But first, let's answer some of your questions you've been sending in using the hashtag Ask help. Hi Mike. Hi Rob. What's going on?
2: Everything's going on. Nothing's going on, Rob. Same, same as same every as time. Ever. Yeah. Say
0: another day, another dollar. Uh,
2: yeah. Or well. day another podcast. Well, there's always a podcast, and luckily, sometimes there's even dollars involved with the podcast. I, I hear you. And, yeah. and uh, luckily,
0: sometimes there's me involved in the podcast, well, That's too.
2: always the best bit. That's yeah.
0: always my favorite bit.
2: Anyway, got some questions for you, Rob. Fire away. Okay, the first one comes from Sarah. She says, Rob, I am a personal trainer attached to a very well-known gym, uh, but I'm thinking about going solo. Any advice about striking out on my own?
0: Wow, yes. We, you can probably make a bit more money. But it's security, isn't it? It's yeah. that way now you've yeah. got the security, and people come to the gym, there are your clients. And when you're on your own, you've got to find your own clients. So I would before I left, before I, I haven't left the gym, sorry. Before I would leave, I would weigh a few things up. How am I gonna get my clients? How am I going to recruit people? You know, before, do I already have these skills? If I don't have those skills, perhaps I've gotta go away and learn those skills or work on those skills before I leave the gym. It's also then, the gym is a certain environment. How can I recreate what I presently do in another environment? So you can go out on your own, but suddenly maybe you're outside and it rains. So how am I gonna cross those barriers? So a bit of visualization is involved here and definitely a bit of prep. You know, as we sort of said, you can make more money and perhaps there could be other possibilities once you're not attached to a chain. Perhaps you can visit other gyms and visit other areas. So there's there's that bit. How am I going to go get around? But if you are at a gym and you have dead time, it can be dead. Whereas if you're going around, you know, you can pop home, you know, you can go and do jobs. There's something perhaps you can't do at the gym. So I'm really saying that, do your research, work it out, work out your figures. How much am I going to need? And I would only make that jump when I was really ready to go. I wouldn't, you know. I know people have made the jump and made a success when they weren't ready to go, or they were forced to go, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, from certain gyms closing, etc. But I personally wouldn't go until I was ready to make the jump and have everything in line to make that jump.
2: So presumably, that would be also a lot of equipment. So the things that that would be at the gym, you know, weights and, and various things. You've got to make that investment. I kinda make the analogy of when I left the BBC and then struck out of my own, I had to buy all my own recording equipment that I got. For yeah, free. maybe. Right. So if you're gonna set up your own gym, you gotta have a space, I suppose, and you need the the things for people to lift or work out on.
0: Yeah, so it could be go outside and then rather than using perhaps barbells and the machines you had in the gym, use kettlebells. You know, Trainers are pretty inventive people, and we know lots of different styles of training so it can work, but being prepped for that having not turning up and just having three or four things what happens if that weight is too heavy or too light for your client so you do need to think about that and have it uh, mapped out it could be that you offer other services as well that you couldn't offer in the gym yoga, massage obviously you know once you've learned to do it stretching things like that you know there's get as many comes back to that preparation. I'd get as many strings to my bow so I was ready to roll when the time comes.
2: Brilliant. Our second question comes from Tom. He says, uh, Rob, I've got a client who's always cancelling or postponing, uh, never really comes prepared. I don't want to give up on him, but I'm getting to the point that we're all wasting our time. Any advice on how I deal yeah, with the a, situation? That is
0: a tricky one. I feel for you because it's that I don't want to give up on people. You've got mm-hmm. to find a way. Mm-hmm. And maybe then, if it's not working right now, it's time to draw the line in the sand and come up with an agreement. We've spoken about this before. Okay, say this person's name is Trevor. <laughs> Trevor, what's your goals? Yeah. What are we doing here? Why are you coming here? Mm-hmm. Okay, Now I ne- okay, we write it down. That's our goal. We agree on it. Now I need to hold you accountable to that. If we can't go towards it, what are we doing here? You know, but maybe I wouldn't phrase it that way. I would try and incentivize them. But then... Perhaps once I've done that and we've set out a clear goal and it's not working and he, he or she agrees to that, then it's not working. Then maybe I would sort of think, what am I doing here? Because I don't want to take someone's money. I personally don't do block bookings mm-hmm. so that people can't buy 10 sessions off me. I just, it's, it's a session, here's the money. It's a session, here's the money. That's how I like to roll. And one of the reasons I don't like is I feel that sometimes people with block booking are too liable to cancel. So maybe have a look at how you're paying. Mm. And if it feels like there's a relationship after every session of I give you my labour as a coach, here's my money. Maybe that's a healthier thing that your client needs, not just works for you. Because the block bookings can work for us as trainers because we've got this guaranteed income. But it might not work for the client. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've, I've found, personally, that uh, you know, we like that exchange. You know, it can be a credit card, it can be a bank transfer, it doesn't have to be cash. That way, I think it keeps it quite simple and quite, sort of like, primitive. Yeah. It's just that old school, come, come, you know, prepared, but but, And um, he mentioned that the client didn't come prepared. Well then, you prepare for the client. Right. That's something I do think, you know, uh, you know, if you understand they're going to be a bit of a mess and that, what can I do to, to limit the excuses, to get us going, to get ready? What can I do? Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got to find what inspires them, find their why, and let's stick to it.
2: Right. So it's kind of like reminding why they got there in the first place.
0: Yeah, exactly that. You know, this will come up a lot. It's, it's often the same, the same things runs through many people. We just got to, you know, it's, it's, it's a salad but it's how we're dressing that salad. You know, we're we using salad cream or we're we using yeah. balsamic vinegar. Do we have a vinaigrette? A
2: bit of ranch dressing for me, Rob. But
0: hundred percent, I, I can- I'm hungry now. Uh, yeah, let's go eat. I'll <laughs> shut up
2: and let's go eat. Okay, those are good questions, Rob. So if we got people who want to get in touch with us, what do they do?
0: Well, they hashtag AskHapori Help, or they send right to us on Instagram, maybe a little story at HaporiCoach. And coming up next, I talk to today's guest, Michael O'Reilly. This podcast was brought to you by the Hapori Coach app. If you're a personal trainer, then you know that time is money. That's why the Hapori Coach app was created to help coaches manage their businesses better and to support growth and longevity. The platform makes it easy to onboard and train clients, manage your sessions, keep track of finances, and take automated digital payments. Plus, Your clients will love it as they get their own app to accompany their training with you, tools to track their progress, and an easy, seamless way to help them manage their bookings. So if you're looking for a way to take your personal training business to the next level, then Hapori Coach is the perfect solution. Check them out at www.hapori.com and enter promo code PODCAST50 to get a 30 day free trial, 50% off your first year, and 10 completely free, professionally designed health and fitness ebooks to send out to clients and prospects. That's some serious value there. So go get over to Hapori.com today. Today on the Hapori podcast, I'm joined by Michael O'Reilly. How the devil are you, Mike?
1: I'm very well, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. So
0: I, I should preface this, that we know each other, that we're friends.
1: We are friends, yeah. We've been friends for a while now, actually. That,
0: that we've shared a few gym sessions together. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, a few great gym sessions, if I am yeah, exactly. say so. Yeah,
0: exactly. The um, better gym in sick Cup. It's, it's the kind of place you
1: never would have expected to find a friendship like this. And no, I'm so I mean, grateful.
0: Many. We there was, there was a team of us. You there and was. That, it, that's what's so amazing about a gym. And it's... You know, obviously, I I then I then snubbed the twenty pound better gym for David Lloyd. <laughs> I moved to David Lloyd, but I, you know, we it was twenty pounds a month, wasn't it? Mm. And it, yeah, it was just a, in an old quicksave Save or uh, Summerfield, an old supermarket. It literally
1: could have been an old Poundland, literally. Yeah. And I remember because me and one of my really uh, close friends, Stephen, were training together down the road, and it was kind of like where we trained, everyone from the school kind of went there because it was really cheap and they had everything that you needed. And the school? So I trained professionally in uh, musical theatre and dance at Bird College in Sidcup. So a little bit about me while we're on it. I kind of grew up playing a high level of rugby, always very into my sport, and then had a few experiences that kind of changed my life, changed my outlook on where I wanted my life to go and what i wanted to contribute to the world and
0: what were those experiences
1: well i was i was really lucky so i was i was training um at the ivybridge rugby academy that was in the ace league which is kind of the top top league so
0: how old are you at this um, point? i'm
1: 16 i'm really you know captained my club team captain my county team um just gone to ivybridge academy Probably so is
0: the projection to be play for england play, this play for england absolutely
1: yeah. you know i've you know, I think my family at this point would all be in- incredibly disappointed if I didn't make it. You know, the trajectory is strong, and we have to do A levels. We have to be seen to do something academic. So I go. I've always loved acting. So I'll do A level drama, and I'll do A level dance because I won't actually have to do anything, and there'll be loads of fit girls in the class. It's a win-win, and. I remember going and loving it way more than I thought I would. And the teacher at the time, um, we had this workshop with this this team of uh, dancers from New Adventures, with the, which is Matthew Bourne's company. And they were like, we think you should uh, come and audition for this show that he's doing. He's doing Lord of
0: the Flies that's going to be coming down here. And you mentioned Matthew Bourne. Like I, I know very little about dance and dread even worse, watching me dance. But <laughs> I have actually seen uh, Matthew Bourne's Edward Scissorhands. So just tried to say, mm. even I know, who kn- I know nothing about us, so I know who he is. Yes,
1: and you know... But and prob- I don't
0: get him mistaken with Jason Bourne.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Not the spy, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the original choreographer of Swan yeah. Lake, you know. But that kind of led me into a whirlpool of decision-making, and I ended up auditioning for this Lord of the Flies. And for some reason... They liked what I brought into the room and they thought that I might be able to do and the
0: cha-cha-cha. gig. They
1: liked it. They liked it. And um, and I ended up working with the team. And I worked with Matthew and I worked with all of the amazing dancers he has, the amazing storytellers that he uh, he tends to hire. And they, they were honest with me. They were like, Michael, we think you should do rugby. You're going to make way more money if you play rugby. It's going to be a much better lifestyle. But if you love dance, if you love it, you should... You should give it a go. You owe it to yourself to give it a go. And um, it was a very young age to be confronted with that tough decision of do I, you know, follow something less conventional because it's what I feel like I should be doing or do I follow a path that I'm very much been put on and society, you know, will praise me for doing. It's really
0: funny you you say that they gave you that decision because it reminds me of an Alec Guinness who's a old... Uh, actor, you know, yeah. you know, like a, a was he a Sir Alec Guinness? But he said, if you, when he was asked for any advice for any young aspiring actors, he mm. said, if you really, really, really want to do it, don't. Only do it if you have to, and that's sort <laughs> of like what these guys yeah. are implying. You know, it's in like, yeah. if you love it, but if you love it, then come with us.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think that carries over to everything in every walk of life. You should only do something if that's the only thing that you can do. If that's where I'm not sure if you know um, uh, the word vocation. You know, to to have a job, to have a mm. career, to have a vocation comes from Latin, which in Latin is to be called, to be called to something. And I think that's truly what that was for me. I was as soon as I experienced it, I was like, "This is my calling. This is what I was what? made to do," because of how it makes you feel. Because it doesn't matter if you sucked at it for the rest of your life and you got no praise and no money for doing it, you'd still do it. I think that's a big... comes back to Alec Guinness, exactly that. Totally, because yeah. you have to do it. I'd do it on the street in front of the homeless man and his dog, if I had to, but I'd do it. And that comes back to what I really believe in, which is you have to have a why. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, kind of matters how you do it, but more importantly, why are you doing it, you know? That's that's the that's the key for me, and that's how I try and you know inform all of the decisions that I make, and um, and now I'm yeah
0: I'm where I am. So and let's 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 have a quick look at where you are. So 16, mm. you're playing rugby, and now going to do some dance A levels. At 20, you are the lead, Johnny and Dirty Dancing, but you are the lead to loads of people of a, of an iconic figure. Mm. Um, that's going on a national tour, and as we now speak, you're in the West End, you're in the West End tonight, the Dominion Theatre. Yeah. Sold out every night. For real, for real, I've been, I've yes, been to I've see seen is. you. We're gonna, He's come we're to support me, yeah. It. I don't know about support, <laughs> so, I was like, gulp, you know, like, um, but you really have made uh, an amazing impact in a short space of time, that's one of the reasons when I was asked, oh, you can have two guests that you would mm. want on here, I was like, I have to bring in Michael. But Michael's not a trainer. I know, and I'm, I'm pretending I'm having a conversation here. <laughs> I know, but he has value, which we're really going to explore, that I think a lot of trainers and people who like exercise can draw from. So, 16, mm. rugby, 20, the lead. How old are you now? I'm 24 now. 24, and obviously you had, what, two-year break because of COVID? Yeah. A year and a half. But the lead in a West End show, but you got that at 20. Mm. From what I know, you know, like I trained with a guy who is... a. Uh, a lead in another show, a touring show yesterday, yeah. that's a big deal. You know, when, yeah. I, when I, t- I remember telling him, you know, it's like, oh, my friend from The Better Jim Michael, <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's got the lead, he's like, that's a, Rob, you don't understand, that's a big deal. Mm. So, my overall question, so that's such a short space of time, what makes you so special? <sighs> special as in to special, get this? because yeah. yeah, this Yeah, um, because this is a rare thing.
1: Uh, I guess, man. I guess it. It. it uh, if that's what we're using as special, you know, what? What makes me able to do this gig that uh, that a lot of people would want to do and very few people get the chance to do? Um, I think what's really interesting is that I went from having to lead a team of eighteen, twenty boys who the stakes are everything when you're on that field it's it's pretty much life or death when you're playing rugby you know you have to have that mindset in elite sport i believe that you have to it's fight or flight you commit to fight you have to do it and you have to be the one to lead you know and for me i was always the one to lead by example you know speeches are great i can tell you what i want but i ha- i have to do it i have to be willing to do it and then i go into this world that i love so i love dance i love it But we're not a team. Everyone's out for themselves. No one wants to help me out. And everyone's insanely talented. And I can't stress this enough, Rob. When I went to professional training, if everyone else is at a five working for a ten, which is an employable standard, I
0: wasn't even a two. Is this the dance? Yeah, I wasn't. Well, well, I've seen some of it. Just a bit, because the gym we trained at was full of, is it Bird College as well? Rose Bruford and Bird. Yeah, that's right. So there's two sort of dancey colleges. Yeah. And all the sort of like, what, what would people be, 18 to 20? 18 to 21, yeah. Yeah, all come into this one gym, and it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I was the stiffest person in there. I thought I was nice and mobile. Yeah. And yeah, it, I, you can see the, they'd be, at dark, they'd be at school all day, and I'm not speaking for you here, and yeah. then come and train after. You're like, mm. haven't you just done seven, eight hours of exercise? Yeah, yeah. And, and
1: that's really what it was. I mean, I remember we, we'd have to be in the studio for kind of like half, seven, eight o'clock. And some days we wouldn't finish until half seven in the evening. And then it was never a question of, oh, okay, what, you know, how do we recover now? It was like, oh, we're going to, now we're going to go to the gym and we're going to train. We're going to do some strength and conditioning or we're going to work on everything that we did in the day. Or I'm going to go home and I'm going to do some vocal work or because I didn't get as much script stuff today, I'm going to do some more script. And it was this consistent application of doing things that I knew would make me better in five or 10 years time. It was like, I may not be the best now. I may not be anywhere near the best now, but I, if I have the best work ethic, if I can push harder than anyone else, if I can work smarter than anyone else, if I can understand what the industry needs and give it to them, if I can be valuable, then maybe one day I will be able to do this professionally. And, you know, I, which, man, always first in last act, you know, always got to be in there first. You're the most warm. You're the most prepared. You're the hardest working. You're the one who uh, absorbs the most after class. That's the responsibility. And I think in terms of landing this role, I had some phenomenal mentors help me and guide me through. And it was really was the combination of having the right opportunity at the right time and being three years prepared to do it. You know, in my final year, completely ready, completely on this journey of immersed in the craft.
0: So you're saying what makes you so special is that preparedness? The the ability to outwork everyone?
1: I think it is. I think it's it's an ability not to settle for okay and good. It's you know I will do it until it's done and until it's
0: right or I will just continue to do it you know and it's funny you what the things that you say this is a game exactly mm. why I wanted you on here is because that what everything you just said that you have to be willing to build something that may not come to fruition for 5 years yeah is exactly what I want to communicate to trainers and I yeah. think you know that even though you know we may look at that you may be in amazing shape after 3 months and mm. and that's great but what are you going to be like in five years? What is yeah. your teaching going to be like in five years? What, how are you going to evolve your business mm. in five years? So you mentioned about being a performer, but they're, they're, that could be for the listener or the trainer mm. or the person in. that could be their online business, that could be the, the, their successful business, that could yeah. just be them helping people.
1: Rob, I, there's so much carryover. There's so much carryover for everyone, not just trainers. But you think of a trainer... You know, there's there's so much pressure for trainers right now to have like instant results. You know, you start a business, you have instantly 100 clients, 200 clients. You you have a client, you instantly have a transformational uh, picture post after eight weeks. And fine, if you have immediate results, that's great. I'm not against that. But I'm way more interested in so you have a client. Do you still have that same client in five years? Does that client trust you enough to stay with you for five years and be consistent
0: and completely change their life through the habits that they're incorporating into their and, daily and that's routine? that's it. We, we sort of think that habits, we hear all these sayings that they're made in 90 days, 180 days, but really you can see the habits of someone in years. Yeah. We're talking in years. So. Even though you, I asked you what made you so special because at 20 you hit that, mm. and at 24 here we are now. And, and, and going forwards when this is over, the world is pretty, gonna be your right oyster because I'm sure lots of people are coming to see this show. Yeah. And I will, just, I will just mention one thing that I think's really important about this show. Uh, from when we last trained, you are a more muscular show, is that right? You know, you? Yeah,
1: you I, I put on about uh, four kilograms of muscle since yeah. I last did the tour.
0: Yeah, and you was always in- <laughs> You weren't really known for being out of shape, you, you know, there wasn't much body fat, and you're, mm. some of the things I've seen you do in the gym are incredible, and the way you apply yourself in the gym is incredible, but what really came across on the show was when it started, and again, I'm a novice and a bit of a Luddite to these things, but when it started, you were huge, you know, like we were just talking about... Um, <laughs> Uh, what What's the TV show we're just talking about? i forgotten.
1: Oh, Jack Reacher.
0: Jack Reacher. Yeah. We're just talking about Reacher. You know, like, you know, like <laughs> Reacher. And then I'm, I'm like, and I'm, I'm looking at other people wondering, you know, how many, 5,000 people there? We're looking left and right and I'm wondering, oh, I wonder if, they, if this guy can move. Mm. But then you move and this massive man <laughs> moves like a snake. You know, that yeah. first dance is exceptional. Your partner in that dance as well is you know, exceptional, you know, you, yeah. you really have that, you know, like obviously you, you know, digress, you have the chemistry with Kira, of course, mm. but that, you really now that chemistry and that's performance yeah. in that very first dance. But yeah, not only can you move, but I said, I said the jumps that I didn't expect a man <laughs> so big to be able to jump so high. You know, obviously, Dirty Dance is known really personified by that famous lift, mm. but there's that, jump you know the double leg jump and a, yeah. a few others there's a you know you do one where you lift one knee and kick out the back one yeah there is proper hang time you know michael jordan lebron <laughs> they'd, they'd be impressed with that
1: yeah i mean when you've got they're big boots to fill aren't they i mean swayze he was a living legend you know when he did dirty dancing the rest of his life then until he unfortunately passed he was just a reached superstardom you know he was loved and adored and I really respect and admire him actually because he's someone who really believed in having strong morals and doing it for the love of the craft and not for what the, uh, the accolade you might get. You know And I think you can see that in someone's work. And I think it all comes down to responsibility. and that's why I have because uh, you, as you know, I'm big into my fitness, I'm big into my training. But uh, I'm very careful with who I give my trust to, you know, if I'm going to go to a class or I'm going to go to a studio and work with someone, I'm very aware that I'm trusting you to, to help me and I'm in your hands and that's a massive responsibility. And I don't think everyone understands that responsibility, you know. If you're a trainer, you it's completely your job to not only give them the best training possible and to help them reach whatever goals they may have physically and mentally, but you're responsible for making them feel special. You know, every day they're coming to you, and that's your gig. You know, that's your that's your job on stage. So what I have to do, my responsibility is I have to go away and I have to do all this preparation. I have to work my absolute butt off every day.
0: So when it comes to the show, it looks completely effortless. So I'm, I'm going to put use the word special, and I'm going to put it to you. I asked you what makes you special. Yeah. But I'm going to put it to you. What makes you special is you make other people feel special, and I think. I think it's a rare quality i'm now going to like just bring it back to uh, a couple of sessions you're a you're a guy in a t-shirt that doesn't fit and jogging pants that are halfway up your legs you know yeah in in the better gym you know <laughs> yeah. you, you weren't in your finest clobber that's yeah. what i'm trying to say but you i'd, I'd walk in or whatever and even today, you're on time. I knew that I had to be early today. I'm pedalling my little, there's a tube strike in London. I'm pedalling yeah. my little bike across the like, old wedge in Holborn going, it's going to be on time, I've got to make it. Because I know you're going to be on time. And, you know, I, I hold myself to that same, mm. you know, like thing. Yeah. I, knew, I, you know, like David Alexander, one of my training uh, sort of inspirations, he always said, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Yeah. And I, I, you know, like it's always stayed in my mind as a trainer and Mm. I bust my balls. And that's, you know, that's just getting around town. And it's something I I think a lot of trainers are guilty of not sort of being as prompt as they could be. You know, it's a simple thing of how to start. Uh, But going back to that thing. That, you know, you were, you made me feel special. I'm just a guy. I'm, I rather, a training buddy, Stephen mm. or T, whoever's there. Yeah. And if you led the session in this gym, we'd just find space. You have this way of communicating with care that makes you feel good. And so I'm, mm. I'm your client. I'm your training buddy in that situation. You're not yeah. by trade a trainer. Yeah. But you have this quality. And that's why I say it's special. And I would like you know, like, us to try and communicate to the, the audience yeah. that making people feel special definitely is, is a really important bit of the game.
1: Well, I, th- I think it's a, it's a bit of a superpower, you know, because people, people might not remember the exercise that you give them in the fourth set or the note that you give them on the seventh rep, but they'll remember how you made them feel. They'll remember that forever, you know. You train them and you train them well and you make them feel special, That they'll never forget that. And something that I I feel responsible for is not only making every show special for the audience, but I also know that I'm in a position of leadership for this team, you know, this cast, this crew that, you know, we create this team that come together every night and we put on this wonderful thing. And it's kind of like the role that I take upon myself to to make everyone feel like they can do that job a little bit better. So even when I come in and I've, you know, I always push myself to high standards in the day of things that I want to do before I get to my quote-unquote work that then even if I feel like man how am I going to give the show that I know I want to give and not only on top of that I don't know if I can do that but I'm also going to go downstairs and I'm going to convince everyone else that they can do it and they can do it better than yesterday you know so I'm going to lead by example and give them because I know by making them feel good that that's going to return to me tenfold you know the best Ability that we have is to make others feel good about themselves, and it's yeah, it's.
0: I, I know as well that I knew that you would raise the game of those people. Yeah, and like this, is what I talk about carryover qualities. I just knew it that you know, like you'd just say, you know, like um you know, like the show's got better. I just I just know that you know like when you see Madonna back in the day, they will all stand backstage and have their group chat, you know, mm. before they go and you know, it's something, um obviously having gone on tour with Ollie Murs, yeah. um, he's tour manager, gets the band together, they all sing a song, he has the brass bands playing Amazing. before they get on their creating a real a real energy yeah. that transfers on stage, and I know I'm sure loads and loads of bands do it, but I've never seen it before. Yeah. And you know, it was really good that you know you got the trumpet, the saxophone. Literally, they're all playing and they're all pumping themselves up. And it's, some some people might say it as an American quality. Could it be a Canadian quality, Mike? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that you 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 know that that you have that ability to lift, like you said it in rugby. Mm. So were you always a leader? Um,
1: Well that's what's funny, I I remember when I started playing rugby, I was really young and I think this is where the work ethic for me kind of grew is that I never felt particularly special or good at anything and that's the truth you know, I, I remember struggling with my reading and writing at school, I remember having really bad tandem coordination and I remember having to work twice as hard to get the same results as people and it was so frustrating and I think I think we're all a product of our environment but it sculpts us in the way that we choose. You know, we, we grow or we or we crumble. You know, I don't feel like you can stay the same. You either you either slowly get worse or you slowly get better. And I think it was this this just this fight to just not give in, to not be not able to do something. So I was willing to work twice as hard and when I started playing sport, I think that kind of carried over.
0: Did you have that quality before you played sport?
1: Yes, definitely, the, the want to uh, to work to work harder, but what sport gave me was the discipline to do it every day, because you've got to, it's a bit like having a show, but you only have one show a week and it's a game, and it's 90 minutes long, and so that's cool, because you've got all week to prep, so you know everything you do in the week makes you better for that game. So then, And then you have a small victory of being a little bit better than you were last week. And it's understanding that, okay, if I go to the gym now, it might not make me stronger for Sunday. But if I consistently go to the gym in the week, then next season, I'm going to be a different animal. You know, I'm going to be a completely different player. And it's that ability to see into the future and know what you're giving yourself when you take time out. It's not going to give you instant gratification. It's not going to give you that immediate pleasure. And you're not going to hit a goal anytime soon. But it will just take you that one step further to where you want to be. And I'm so grateful that sport cultivated that ability within me. Because I think in a world where we're always demanded to be you know, newer and better and stronger and fitter, it's okay
0: to commit to the process. So it's an advantage maybe to do sport before dance and that allowed you mm. when we talk about that period of 16 to 20 yeah. allowed you to accelerate and perhaps overtake some of your p- contemporaries you know a lot of yeah. people you know like and i i always um, and you know when you i always remember you. was it the the re- first rehearsals for dirty dancing you had had a little bit of back trouble <laughs> yeah. yeah and we were looking at that don tingy kind of techniques <laughs> and stuff like that um But I will always remember you saying, the days were so long because you would, please correct me if I'm wrong, you would warm up before you left because you had to carry a rucksack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You'd then go and get a coffee or whatever it was (laughs) and then, so you're now into town, you've gone from Sitka, which is a suburb, into town and... How long would you be there before everyone else to warm up?
1: Uh, at least an hour.
0: At least an hour. Yeah. And then you warm up. Yeah. So everyone then, turns up and has a warm up. It's totally, just at like nine or whatever. Yeah.
1: And so that was such a great, uh, that well, it was a really challenging part of my life, you know. And we were really you know, heavily involved in training together at the time because I was still based in Sidcar. And, um,. I knew I had this huge gig coming up. You know, I, I booked that job when I was still in college so I'd never had the out of work actor life. I, I went straight from professional training into leading a show on a huge UK tour. And I really felt that responsibility in a really healthy way. I was really, really excited by the challenge. But I had this, this annoying little injury in my QL, kept getting slight sciatica symptoms and. It was again another one of those moments where I either let it affect me or I just take ownership. You know, I have, I've got to take control of this situation. I have to be responsible for my own, you know, shit in this situation. And so I would wake up ridiculously early and I would, you know, I would do really small movements, core stability stuff, warming up my pelvis, my thoracic, so that the journey in caused no aggravation. Obviously, get a coffee. I'm a sucker for a morning coffee. Yeah. I think it brings out the best in me. Um,
0: here we are with an afternoon it, coffee. It, it is. Cheers, Cheers. buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I would always be the first in the studio. Not only did I do that for myself, because I wanted to make sure that when it came to the warm-up, I was at the front leading by example, hindered in no way with whatever was going on with my QL. But then the first thing that everyone sees is the person who's supposed to be leading them, cause, because it's controllable however talented I am when I finally get on stage I can't control that but what I can control is being on time being warm and working the hardest
0: so they see that's
1: they're things that we
0: can control in our sessions we can't always predict how the client is gonna perform and how the exercise is gonna go down but we can still hold ourselves to these consistent you know Mm. uh, you know professional qualities yeah these standards of work it's I think it's so important and it's, it's funny um, what you just said. It reminds me of, you know, Ronaldo. It's very, very successful. Well, and can, yeah. Carlos Tevez, who was an amazing footballer himself, tells the story of um, that every day Ronaldo was... He'd get up early to training. And he'd, but Ronaldo was always there before him. No one else was there. It was just, Carlos Tevez was normally first, but Ronaldo was there. He said, one day I got up at, you know, got to training at 6.15. Yeah. And he was already there. And he said he was tired but he was already there, wow. and it's just trying to say that didn't matter what he did. This this guy Ronaldo was yeah. there every day, doing it, wow. doing it because he knows that's the level, and he still holds himself to account mm. for those levels now. And I think
1: w- one thing that uh that I really connected with was so few people get to do this professionally. So many so many people want to. They want to become actors. They want you know be in shows, and so little people with that initial dream actually get to see it come to fruition. And I realised that if I ended up getting to, you know, 50 years old and I had never done it, I would only have myself to blame. And if I looked back and could say, oh, well, maybe I didn't do it because I didn't work hard enough, I would always resent myself and hate myself for it. So whatever the reason is that I don't get it, I always said to myself, it would never be because I wasn't willing to work hard enough or work harder than anyone else. And I love it. So my friend, Stephen Orwell, I I trained with him at college and we would fight each other. You know, I would be like, I'm going to be in the studio before you this morning. And he'd be like, no, you're not. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see when you get there. And I remember being there. So you're like Carlos and Ronaldo. Yeah. I remember being there 10 minutes before the caretaker opened the building so i would be so now i'm not even in competing with Stephen. i'm competing with the guy who opens the building at 5am in the morning you know and i would get there and by the Some time they would just say you're nuts but maybe they would and you know what's funny is i uh you know as you as you really become responsible for yourself and you dive into material i'm a big fan of uh matthew walker and why Are We we And yeah the power of recovery, because let's be honest, training means nothing unless you're
0: able to recover properly. I, i say it to everyone, adaption happens in recovery. It does. And it's a really important, I think, thing to communicate, and us as, Trainers have a responsibility mm. to to let that come down, to stop people overtraining, and
1: absolutely. And there's a massive glorification of sleep deprivation going on. I'm a massive fan of Eric Thomas. You know,
0: you gotta want to be successful as bad as you want to breathe. You know, you gotta go without sleep. And... That's that's what that, that's why I had to turn off that Gary V. Uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. literally, I couldn't. I had to because I was like, if you say that once more about, I can't, I can't cope. Like he's yeah. like he's like he's telling me I'm doing all my life wrong. Yeah, and <laughs> sleep is everything
1: you know there's been so much science to suggest that if you're not sleeping efficiently then you're not living efficiently it's like it's the one thing that we can do that's more important than everything and you know for those listening Matthew Walker has this book why we sleep on all the benefits it's a, it's a definite must read and one of the quotes that he says is if you wake up early to train it's like stepping over a 50 pound note to pick up a penny right? That's, that's what it is in comparison to train or lose sleep. And you go, well, you know, I can't. And there are times where you've got to wake up with five hours sleep and you've got to smash a coffee and you've got to go and do what you've got to do. We all have those moments. But can we consistently cultivate a healthy sleep schedule that makes everything better?
0: Well, that's it. Then go to bed early. Uh, you Absolutely. know, and some of the people I do know that get up super early to train. I'm not one of them. Um, they get up super, super early, but they're at bed at uh, half nine, ten o'clock, you know, and that's why they can do it every day because they're still getting enough sleep to keep going, you know, like, absolutely. Yeah, I've got some people in mind. You? <laughs> so, you know, so it's weird when I think of early trainers, it really brings up some people because, yeah. they, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, do you you know, like, do you want to come to the gym at 6.30? I'm like, no. No, I don't, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. I love going to the gym. Mike, honestly, I love going to gym. the gym. I'm talking the other Mike, producer Mike. <laughs> I love going to the gym, but it's, I want to get the best performance out of it, mm. you know, and so I was asked the other day when I, when I was training uh, a mother and a son. She brought her son who's cricket and football right. on Saturday and was just like, can you give me suggestions? And we were talking and I, I was trying to encourage uh, the son, you know, her to not be down on him for sleeping. Yes. Because um, she said he wouldn't turn up before 10.30 to the session. It was a weekend. Mm. And I was like, that's fine. You know, and she said, you know, I said, I don't really get up that early. And she said, well, what do you do about our early morning clients? I was like, I don't have them. Yeah. They can train with some, there's plenty of trainers out there. Yeah. They can have the early mornings and perhaps I'm better suited at training people at six, seven in the evening. Yeah. I'm, I'm just aware of where I'm going to perform mm. and I'm not fighting against myself. I'm fight, yeah. going with my strengths. And I'm
1: just, a. am just kind of putting words in your mouth here, but I think it's because you, you have a very clear idea of what you want to get from your sessions you know you have a very strong why it's it's not about just turning up early and doing the session you are trying to be the most optimal you can for your clients you know you are someone who you know will do everything they possibly can to make that the best experience for that person I think that's what makes you a great trainer and I think we all need to take that responsibility and accountability for ourselves you know it's not just about turning up it's sleeping well, understanding that you're gonna be better if you had that time in bed, so you can provide the best training session possible, you know? I know that I've got loads of things I have to do in the day, but I know that when I turn up at half seven for the show, I've gotta nail it. I know that's the part of my day that's most important, and so what do I do in the day to give me carryover, right? What, What do I do to invest in myself, so in five years I've got new skills, but how do I manage time and energy so when it comes to half seven, and make those you know two and a half thousand people feel special you know and that's that that's kind of my experience and that's the challenge that i have at the moment and i guess everyone has their own versions of that challenge you know how do i give the best to my clients and still train for myself and still still make sure i'm absorbing enough content from authors and like-minded people that i'm advancing my craft as a not only what I'm training, but how I'm training, you know, with the cues I'm using to my clients, you know, how do I make them feel? It's, uh, it's, it,
0: it's just a journey we're all on, isn't it? So you, you mentioned about you make, you make the audience special, and I said earlier about how that, that you, that's maybe your special quality. You know, you, I've heard you mention before that everyone that comes to us to train as trainers mm. has a problem. Yeah, and so so those people come to you to be entertained tonight. they come yeah. to you to be entertained as trainers. The people come to us with problems. Can you give me some examples of those problems?
1: Yeah, well, you know, t- t- so for m- for my uh, for my example, I, when I'm when I'm working and I'm auditioning, I know that so- somebody has a problem, right? From my context, a producer wants to put on a show, and he has a problem that he has to cast roles in that show. He needs people to do it. And the problem is that unfortunately the person has to look like this, sound like this, have these skills. So I know it's my job to solve his problems. I need to tick all of those boxes, solve his problem and then I solve the problem of the show. And it's exactly the same for trainers. People will come to you with problems. You know, they might have an injury. They might uh, not like the way that their body feels when they exercise. They might not like how they look. They might have bad habits they need fixed. They might not like how they think about training or think about life in general. So your job becomes to be their problem solver, right, and that's why you have to be constantly absorbing new information because you've got to solve those problems for them and make them feel special. That's a tough responsibility, man, and it's on your shoulders, you know, as a trainer. Because I know that for me, when I go and see someone with my problems, I want them to be solved. You know, That's why we give people our money. That's why we give people our trust, right? If I come to you and I give you my trust, I want you to solve my problems. Or know that you're going to go away and work out how to solve them, you know? And I think that that's uh, a really amazing power that we have, is to s- solve other people's problems. So, so I
0: like that because I do see trainers as problem solvers. There's problem mm. solvers all, all over the life and the work yeah. fields. But that is something I really see. And um, and that's where I like trainers to be flexible. Mm. And, you know, like I think it's one of the things as... We look into training and how COVID, and it was going this way anyway. The online field has happened to things, has happened to the the industry. How do we stay special? How do we stay Mm. keeping, you know, like the client feeling special? How do we keep solving their problems rather than become a generic force? Well,
1: I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm always very resistant to any sort of class or group training situation because if you have one trainer and 20 clients how can you ever make all 20 feel special how can you solve all 20 problems you know i i don't know I, i'm not a trainer i don't have those answers but i think that's quite but classes do
0: solve problems like you know and I would yeah. say even though you know like obviously people criticize CrossFit for the injuries mm. they've created a sense of community mm. which maybe alleviates some of the problems the problems the feeling people are feeling tired but someone in that group will push them on and you know spur yeah. them on and that's one that's one thing things I really like about um, the CrossFit style the CrossFit mentality is that it's creating um, accountability of each other—you are sort of pushing yeah. each other on, and you may have a strength which is another person's weakness. So it doesn't necessarily have to come from the teacher, but is that trickle mm. down effect? But perhaps Amazing. if you just turned up to a normal class, yeah. you know, like as as it were, with body pump, it wouldn't be like that. And I, you know, I, I've always struggled with that when the teachers doing the the class with them. Yeah, I've always been perplexed by that. Establish yeah. what you're doing, but then how can you ever see how all you are is a you know like a is a is a guide. Yeah, a bit become a cheerleader, and I don't. I know that these are class coaches, but I love the word personal mm. in training, and mm. it comes down to that making personal people yeah. feel special. And um, I really would like to see more people create that personal personality. Yeah, as well, you know, like um, I've always said it. Like I've been asked loads of times. Like you know, I'd be at a gym and I'd be training such and such client, and the trainer would go, "How did you get them?" Yeah. And I, you know and I'd say and I'd, I'd see, I'd always think you're missing the point mate and I can <laughs> tell you how wrong but yeah. you know and it comes back to you I worked hard I went and learned off really good people so I had a, a perhaps a more of a unique product and you know I'd always want to really say come watch the session yeah and you'll see why I feel I got I got that client mm. and then you, I'll tell you about all my like, anxieties and <laughs> why I screwed up that session yeah you know but, but that's something I think we don't think about is that quick fix yeah. that we, we want to get from A to Z too quickly and, you know, mm. we want to smell the roses. And you mentioned about the five years just developing something. I'm not saying that it should be this slow, mm. but, you know, if we if we want to cook something, we cook it with love and sometimes it takes a bit of stirring, a bit of a low heat of course it does. To, to bring out those sweet, sweet flavours. Yeah,
1: and you've it's got to be distraction free. You know, if if I'm <laughs> if I'm trying to develop a skill, a really hard skill, if I t- keep taking breaks to tell you how how well I'm doing developing this skill, I'm never gonna be as good if I just put my head down and do it. You know, I think it's about not worrying about other people's journey or what they think, and you've just gotta you've just gotta commit. It's it's all about commitment in this world, you know, and um. <laughs> And I think more so than ever there's such a temptation to share everything you're doing online, to always paint yourself in the best light but uh, I really do think it's just about not getting distracted and, and keeping true to the work and I've, yeah. I've got to tell this story I think for us to be together in this setting and not tell this story would just be criminal so and a story that I'll tell is an example of in my opinion what a trainer should be, it's open to new ideas it's just to be completely open that even though you've been training this way for a certain amount of time you may not have all the answers you may not have the things you need to constantly be learning and so i'm in college and i'm in the gym uh and i'm doing handstands in the in the stretch section and i get this guy come up to me just this normal guy you know really friendly he's like hey mate how you doing your handstands look great i'm like oh thanks He's like, look, I've always really been interested in learning handstands. I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to pay you for a session. You know, can you teach me how to do it for half an hour? And I'm a, I'm a deadbeat student, right? I've got, you know, I'm in my overdraft. I'm just, I'm, you know, training 12 hours a day. I have got no time to do anything else. I'm like, this would be amazing. I'll do handstands for half an hour. So we come in on another day. This guy really, really friendly, and uh, we're just about to start session. What, what do you do? And he was like, oh, don't worry about what I do. Yeah, let's just, let's just do some handstands and um, clearly really fit guy, really great coordination, um, got some things wrong with the handstand, some, some bad habits, uh, really at the start of that journey and it was really nice to share that with him um, and uh, we finished the session, made loads of progress, hopefully gave him lots of tools that he could use and I was like, so what, um, so what do you do mate, what, you know, what, tell me a bit about yourself and obviously you know who it is in this story because it's yourself. And you're a personal trainer and you train other people. And I remember being completely gobsmacked that somebody who does this professionally for money still had the ability to come to someone they didn't know and ask for help and advice with something that they were interested in. You know, there was no ego, there was no resistance. It was just, I think by approaching this guy, he could potentially make me better in this area. And if he doesn't, I haven't lost anything. And it doesn't make me any less of a trainer to ask somebody else to to ah oh, what are you doing there, man? Oh, what what why are you thinking about that? And uh, I think it's the. It's one of the best stories I ever tell, mate, and it's such a testament to your character as a person and a trainer.
0: I, I appreciate that, but I really thought you were going to tell the Dorian Yates story. Oh, <laughs>
2: well, that's I mean, another story that's
1: for another story podcast, for another maybe. Yeah, my total bodybuilding <laughs> hero.
0: We never got to meet him, even though it was right there. Oh, right man. there, Mike. Wow. Um, yeah, that is sorry a, about that, that buddy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely fine. So, we met in the gym. So, what does to you right now, what does training and the gym, the gym environment, what does it mean to you? I think one thing it does give me at the moment is it
1: gives me space to myself. I think that's really important in a, in a world for me where everyone uh, is kind of looking for my attention. You know, I have the show, I have the company, I have my partner, I have, you know, loads of people in my life who are constantly. I'm giving to them. Me, Hassley,
0: you to do this podcast.
1: Yeah, it's so annoying, mate, um, honestly. Uh, and it's time that I have for myself. It's time that I have to commit to that long-term progress. And in every single way, you know, my, the way I approach my training is very programmed, it's very systematic. I know it makes me better for the things that I do. And I know that it cultivates a mindset that I want to have in every aspect of my life. You know, and I think that's what's so beautiful about training is that you you're able to test your limits physically and mentally, so that when you get the stresses of everyday life, you're that little bit better. You're that little bit more prepared to handle them. And um, you know, I'm just all about that fight. It's all about that. It's gonna be hard. You know, it's gonna suck ass some days, and you're some days you're not gonna want to go, but you gotta go. You gotta show up. You gotta do the work. And that's actually all there is to it. You know, getting through those doors, getting it done because then you know anything else in the day you can do that as well and i think for me it's always been that bedrock of if i do this i can do anything and it's really given me the confidence to to push into other realms and know that even if i'm the worst in the room at something all i've got to do is approach it with that same commitment and you know maybe maybe in 5 10 years time it might not be that way
0: so when we're at, when we're at the gym yeah we need to put a track on. We need to put a song on. What is Mike's go-to song? And obviously this will go on our little Spotify playlist, the Hapori mm. Spotify playlist. What's the song? Oh
1: the the one song. If I if I I'm thinking about this of like if I only had to train to one song for the rest of my life, what would it be? And I think it might be Remember the Name. I think that is so iconic for me that you know I remember being in a in like spit and sawdust garage gym the first time I'm like ever in a gym. Uh, I remember having the bar on my back for squats and not it being tough on my legs but feeling like it's gonna break my shoulder blades <laughs> and listening to remember the name about you know 10% pressure 10% and just being so motivated and inspired by music. You know, and that's why I think I've also got into what I've gone into. I love music. I love how you can make someone feel just by, you know, notes and rhythm and pitch. And it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's,
0: it's mental, like that music. I've, honestly, I've, I don't... I love music. I don't yeah. understand why it has such an effect. It's yeah. crazy. So much power.
1: And I think if utilised right, it can be such a great training tool. And for me, that song just... It sums up four years of my life of being in constant pain in the gym, you know. Constant... When you're when you're training so hard that you get that like blood in the back of your throat because you're breathing so hard because you're doing a RFU test or something, you know, you're like doing the bleep test. Um, so yeah, I think if I can share anything for today, it's to add that to the playlist. All right,
0: with consider it added. Remember the <laughs> name added to the playlist. And what about is there any film you like, you know, that always inspired you that you like to rewatch or something that stands out?
1: man I'm just such a fan of film in general so, so many films I'm not uh I'm honestly not sure if I could pick one because they're, they're so there's so many there's so many different actors that inspire me I mean I remember maybe Shawshank Redemption when I was younger watching that classic and really being introduced to what storytelling could, could do and I think any film that kind of is able to transport you like that and really pull you into a story is fascinating but think that's maybe one of the first that I watched at a really young age and was like Phew, that's a film
0: and, and speaking of films when um, so obviously T is another character from the gym you mentioned Steve and the yeah. better gym but I will always remember T turning around to me sort of saying pretty old I didn't really know you at the time I knew you he didn't know he was just coming into the gang as it were and uh, he was like I can see him in films like it was really <laughs> abstract I don't even know if he knew he was a dancer yeah. but it's really it's really true that you know like it's something that whatever is next is whatever is next yeah but I really can sort of see that you know it comes back to we're talking about reach, obviously not just in your height there mm. but in that in that character something that you know I'd put a bet on it yeah. i put a bet on who's going to be the next James Bond yes. so, you know, yeah, like, yeah. maybe yeah, I'm yeah. just like maybe I'm just I've already done that I did yeah. it ages ago as soon as they went went, went oh uh, brilliant you know I can't remember the guy's name who I chose but he's, yeah. there's a five on it amazing and, um, I, I know it's a guy from Bridgerton I put the yes, on. yeah, yeah. But, um, I'd put a fiver on you, Mike.
1: Well, thanks, mate. I think, uh, yeah, there are, there, are going to be a lot of doors opening from this, and we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see, we'll yeah. see.
0: Um, and life is there. A, is there a Mike mantra? Is there anything that you like? You know, if we were to put you, you got your gravestone epitaph, mm. Michael O'Reilly, badass dude.
1: Badass but, dude. You know, what would you
0: like it to say?
1: You know what I would like it to say, is a a quote that I heard in a film that goes much deeper than the actual film. I was so moved by this quote, so cheesy and, you know, ridiculously corny, but I would say it to myself every night before bed, and it's that uh, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be gorgeous, beautiful, talented and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? There is nothing enlightened about shrinking. And I just remember hearing that line. And as we let our own light yeah, shine. you memorised it. We unconsciously let other, others, uh, as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. You know, there is nothing enlightened about shrinking. And that has stayed with me forever, that I never have to make myself less. By being my most fullest self, I can inspire other people to be the foolish version of themselves, And I remember hearing that quote, I believe it's a Maya Angelou quote that was in Coach Carter, the movie. And it stuck with me. And I went through a period of two years of saying to myself every night before bed, and it doesn't matter what I do, as long as I can do that, as long as I can let that light shine and inspire others to do the same, phew, I'm onto a winner, whatever I do. And uh, it's long, it's a long one. Uh, I think it's very powerful. I'd inspire people to go and read it. Um, yeah,
0: had a massive change on me. Uh, but that's that's it if it works and it i love the fact that you you did that every night you yeah. read that every night it matters yeah it mattered to you and it allowed you to focus and achieve mm. yeah because
1: it gives you the belief you know i think it i think so much of everything we do is having faith that it's going to work out and believing in the process so whatever we have to do as individuals to make that belief happen that's the magic
0: so johnny castle You've got to get in the mind frame. I'm going to let you go, be Johnny Castle. <laughs> thank but you, Mike. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for your time. I, honestly, you know, I know I can't wait to like get all the nuggets and sound bites out of this. Yeah. Because there's loads and it has loads of carry on. And yeah, well, what can I say? Thank you for those training sessions as well.
1: Man, thank you so much. And we, I mean, we've had some 10 out of 10 training sessions together, man. Some of the best sessions of my life. And the only thing I love more than those sessions is having a good old chinwag with yourself. It's, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank <laughs> the, the you for The problem is me.
0: I used to do both at the same time. <laughs> yes. They'd be like three-hour sessions. It's like, can we just do one or the other? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mike, I'll see you soon. See you soon, buddy. Cheers. And that is the incredible Michael O'Reilly. So it's obviously someone I know. And uh, you know, I was impressed with him after about five minutes. He just, he just had his shit together. You know, like as a young man, I was looking back in my life, Mike, and I was like, oh my God, I wasn't, I wasn't anywhere like that. So, but I didn't really have anyone around me like mm. that too. And he, I obviously met Michael in a gym, gym environment. He was very much a natural leader. Mm. He set, he didn't necessarily lead. He set the example for others to follow.
2: Well, he. I think the, yeah, what he said that he was always there. The, the competitive side was who's was first, wasn't it? and he, and he, you know getting there before the, the janitor was to open up the building. I mean, that's that's dedication. Yeah, I mean, he's I was, next I was level. waiting for him to say that actually I, I lived outside. You yeah. know, so I stopped, <laughs> I camped out overnight just to make sure I was first.
0: Yes, it's it is outdoing that person, and Mike doesn't come across as the person to outdo the person to sort of like put you down he comes across as someone that actually lifts you up mm. it's inspiring and that's that is quite rare because sometimes a lot of these like people who <laughs> they look a bit pious can be patronizing uh, and I haven't come across a bit of that and I think I said to you when we were talking about Mike that um you know I'm sort of waiting for him to be a serial killer or something how, how is this guy so nice you know what's going on there's but a, there's something away. yeah but uh, he's the real deal and by having him on the show I was hoping that people really got a grasp of how he's gonna lead his life and I'm hoping that we will watch his we you know it's like watch this space isn't it it's all to come like some people we've had on, uh, you know have achieved past glories his are yet to come and I find that quite exciting his story quite inspiring and it makes me want to raise my game whether I'm a trainer you know, I want to raise my game, whether I'm in the gym,
2: it's just, it's, it's time to go. So is that your main takeaway, inspiration?
0: Yeah, I, you know, because he, obviously he touches on all these different facets during the chat, whether it be accountability, consistency, things that come up time and time again, but yes, I think he's quite an inspiring figure. Well, that
2: really leads us nicely into this. Solly's Solidoquy.
0: Accountability, own it, whoever you are, Whatever you're doing, hold yourself to account. If you're not happy with something, take responsibility for it and change it. No one is coming to save you. In many areas of our life, be it at home or in the workplace, we're accountable to others. But in training, you are the boss. You hold yourself to account, accountable for the optimism at the start, the focus, the effort, and the satisfaction after. Being accountable will ensure your performances are as good as can be. You have complete responsibility for your health and fitness. So make wise decisions and own it. We're going to take on the world. The Hapori podcast was presented by me, Rob Solly, and produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions. Please like and follow us on your favorite podcast app and tell all your friends about it. You can follow me on at Rob underscore Solly on Instagram at Hapori Coach for Hapori app and at Pod People UK for me. And
2: don't forget to download the Hapori Coach app. And follow the Hapori Spotify playlist.
0: More songs add in every time. Yeah. yeah, I thought
2: he was just going to say put the soundtrack of Dirty Dancing down. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe if we
0: had we've given him a few more songs, there'd have been some hungry eyes in there. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Thanks for that, Mike. And you guys, we will see you next time. Over and out.
2: Pod people.